Well, hi, and welcome to episode 99 of Level Up, 60 minutes of live Q&A where your questions, chats, and votes drive the show. Just want to say a warm welcome to everyone joining us on LinkedIn and YouTube today. Please pop a link in the chat or pop a message in the chat. Let us know your name and where you're joining from. We'd really love to hear from you. Get everybody involved, so don't be shy. Put your comments in the chat, please. So we've got Ella and Adriana online today, and they're going to post a link in the chat for you to vote up the questions that you would most like answered, and of course, for you to go and add your own. So we live stream on Mondays at 8 a.m. and Fridays at 2 p.m. UK time to both YouTube and LinkedIn, so be sure to tune in at those times and don't miss the show. If your question is selected, your name is going to appear in the credits, so get your questions in early and stay with us and you'll see your name popping up as a live producer of the show. So today we're talking about how to become a change leader. Now a change leader is responsible for guiding an entire group of people through planning and implementation of changes. You know, that means that obviously they should be experts knowing how to work together and build strong teams. So successful change leaders are usually involved in change strategy, not always, but mostly often are, including identifying what's going to change, what's not going to change. So today we've got a highly experienced panel joining us, and they're going to share their personal thoughts and experiences with you and advise you on how you too can become a change leader. So welcome, everybody. So thanks for joining. We've got a great strong panel. Firstly, I'd like to introduce Chantelle Bryan. Chantelle's a seasoned Level Up panelist. She's been on here many, many times. Okay? She's joining us from London today, and her expertise is in organizational change consulting and training. She works a lot with corporate executives to help them realize their vision you know, when implementing new ways of working. So welcome, Chantelle. Thank you, Nigel. It's a pleasure to be back to discuss one of the most important topics to me, change management. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, Chantelle. So Laurie is joining us from Brisbane, Laurie Bowman, and he has over 30 years experience in engineering and management roles on complex multidiscipline engineering and construction projects. He's also a trainer, an advisor on planning, assurance, risk management, and control for project programs and portfolios. So a wealth of experience. Welcome, Laurie. Thank you, Nigel. Great to be here and uh, welcome, everybody. Excellent. Thanks. So Samuel Jurowen, he's also a change management consultant, specializes in cultural change and stakeholder management. I think Samuel's proudest achievement so far, and I say so far because I think he's going to go a long way in his career, is the foundation of a collective company called the Change Managers Collective. And the goal of that company is to raise awareness to the need of change management for the success and growth of businesses. Welcome, Samuel. Thank you, Nigel. It's a pleasure to be here with the final panelists and uh, yeah, looking forward to all the great questions we have to answer. Absolutely. Fantastic. And a very warm welcome to Louis Alward. Louis in his first Level Up appearance. Okay? Louis works also as an independent change consultant within law enforcement. I think earlier in his career, he founded Granger, which is a career development service for those who work in organizational change. So welcome, Louis. Yeah, thank you, Nigel. Uh, morning, uh, morning to everyone. Uh, looking forward to um, pushing this topic. A little bit interesting to see where we get to with it. Excellent, fantastic. Just a reminder to all the viewers: please don't forget, pop into the chat, say welcome, where you're from, let us know, join in. Yeah, that's what the show's about: joining in, get your questions in early. So our question master for today is Suchitra Jacob, who's joining us from the beautiful city of Bangalore. 
Suchitra, may we have our first question, please? Hello, everyone. And yes, the first question is from Onifade from Abuja, who asks, what exactly is change leadership? Well, I think that's a great question to kick off this show. Yeah. So I think, Chantel, we'll start with you and then go to Laurie. All right. So change leadership is the ability to influence and enthuse others through personal advocacy, vision and drive that you have for the particular initiative. Excellent. Thank you. Great answer. Laurie, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I, I agree with that and I, I would extend upon um, the idea of really um, creating a, a vision for people to follow. So on any project or initiative, there is some level of change in people, processes and systems. It's really inspiring the people uh, so that they will follow and support that change initiative. Excellent. Thank you. So I think on this question, I'm actually going to go and ask the rest of the panel as well, because it's such an important question. What are your views? So let's, uh, let's go to Louis. Louis, what are your views? What exactly is change leadership from your perspective? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And it's a good one to start with, I think, you know, that we sort of uh, dwell on uh, term a little bit and make sure we define it. Um, I think I'd probably sort of answer it two ways. I think there's a really simple answer that you can give. And actually, sometimes simple answers uh, are good ones, which is that change leadership is, is any action that moves a change forward. Um, so, you know, I don't think we need to uh, overcomplicate it too much, but I entirely agree with everything that's been said so far that because it's about leadership, you tend to focus more on vision. So when we talk about change leadership, we often talk about vision a lot and being custodians of the vision. A lot of people on change initiatives are going to be really deep in the detail of doing. Um, and of course, you need that. But you need somebody with their head up who is thinking of the vision, thinking of the benefits um, and, and, and a constant reminder of that. Um, and the other thing I would just highlight is I think change leadership looks at culture more than some of the other roles that you have in change initiative. Um, and a good change leader is somebody who is culturally sensitive in the right meaning of that term. Somebody who really understands the organization at a very deep level um, and, and can sort of feel its, uh, feel its heartbeat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we could go all day just on this one question, but uh, <laughs> I'll leave it there. I totally agree with you. <laughs> Sam, what are your thoughts? Well, the, well, the panel has left me a lot to really cover, to be honest. They covered it all very beautifully. Um, I, I think the only thing I can leverage on is is a point that Laurie made, which was around uh, that that inspirational factor that change leadership has, and and being an inspiring leader uh, for change is especially important. And uh, if you don't if you don't have that uh, that level of inspiration, your skills as a change leader is always limited. So, yeah. Exactly. What exactly is change leadership? It is inspiring people to follow that vision of change. Yeah, totally agree with you. You know, I, th I think you're quite right. Every what everybody has said is 100% true. In my experience, most people get caught up in the devil details, right? So they're sitting there thinking about how we're going to get this change through and all of the technical bits that go along with that without seeing the entire vision. And I really, I guess, what the benefit's going to be for the company moving forward, right? Very, very important. So that's change leadership. So today we're going to be looking a little bit more about how you can also become a change leader. Suchitra, may we have our next question, please? We have a question from John in Dublin. How important is to have project management skills 
as a change leader? Interesting question. I person I have my own views on this, but I think I'm going to get the panel to comment first. So let's let's go to Laurie first. Well, I guess first and foremost, there's a lot of overlap between change management and project management. So if you were to draw a Venn diagram, for example, they'd be very much overlapping circles. Um, with the project management really about instilling a change, it will often be a, a technical system or a solution. And then there's the human aspect, which is really where the change leadership comes in. So in order to create that solution, which may be somewhat technical, somewhat people-oriented, the change leadership is really around the people side of it. So helping people transition from status quo to that new state is really the core uh, competency of the change leader, as opposed to the project manager, which does include that as well, but is also about a technical solution. Excellent, excellent. So in essence, what you're saying, Laurie, is that you definitely should, as a project manager, have change skills, not necessarily all of them, and vice versa. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. You couldn't, be, you couldn't be an effective change manager without having project management skills and vice versa, exactly. Excellent, excellent. Louis, we're going to go to you next and then Chantel. Thanks. I mean, yeah, I think um, Laurie sort of um, hit, hit the nail on the head here. I think there's, there's a couple of things I would add. I think. Um, so for me, all project managers are leaders of change at their level. And, and, and this is the other point that I think we're going to get into uh, this morning talking, which is uh, there is leadership at lots of different levels of an organization. Um, it's not just about people who have chief at the beginning of their job title. So, you know, I, I would say all project managers are change leaders. Therefore, um, you know, that's sort of slightly different spin on the question. It, to try and answer it a bit more head on, I think it depends a little bit about what we mean when we say change leader. If we're talking about someone who's an SRO for a project, who's chairing steer codes, who's there to do the vision, but also a bit of the scrutiny, then yeah, they absolutely need project management skills to make sure the project manager doesn't sort of get one past them. Uh, and they can, you know, uh, ask those challenging, tough questions. So I think that becomes really important. But that's not the only definition of change leader. Um, there are people in the organization who lead change, but aren't all about projects. Um, and I think we need to uh, remember that a little bit. So. I, I don't think it's a, a must, uh, but you know, as, as Laurie suggested, there's lots of overlap, and that overlap is is quite interesting. Excellent, thanks, thanks very much, Chantel. Um, I have a slightly different um, opinion on this question. Um, so I think it's important that change leaders um, understand the project management space and understand what project managers do and are able to work with them. Um, but in terms of project management skills, um, you know, in my experience, these skills are more along the lines of planning and, um, you know, ensuring that, you know, systems are implemented, et cetera. But change leadership skills, in my opinion, are more along the lines of um, being able to communicate effectively, um, listening and inquiry, um, coaching being able to sell ideas and relationship building. So I, I have a slightly different opinion on whether project management skills are entirely necessary for the change leader. I would say not so much, but it is important for change leaders to understand the project management space and how to work effectively with the PMO and the project manager. Excellent, excellent. 
I think you know this 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 question is a little bit contentious from many different viewpoints, but it's not contentious in a bad way. Yeah. I think you know we we've had numerous discussions. In fact, going back into past level ups, you'll you'll find a lot of resources on this. Should change managers also be project managers and vice versa? Yeah, the question has been asked and answered many many times. Uh, so I'd just like to welcome everybody who's joined us today on social media. We've got Idara. Hi, everybody from Abuja, Nigeria. We've got lots of folks joining us from all around the world. Yeah. Idara has been joining us. He's looking forward to learning all the insights that come out of Level Up. Well, don't forget, everybody, over on our website, there are answers to over 1,400 questions now from the back episodes of Level Up. So subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe, and you'll get all the information you need. Hi, Jamin. Nice, for you. nice of you to join us from Saudi. So excellent. Lots and lots of folks joining us. Suchitra, may we have our next question, please? We have a live question from Lauren. What would you say are skills that define an exceptional change leader? Okay. What makes an exceptional change leader? All right, Louis, we're going to come to you first, and then we're going to go to Sam, and then we're going to go to Laurie. Yeah, so I think uh, yeah, this is another great question. Um, I think there's a, there's, there's a bit of a trap that we need to avoid in answering this question. Uh, and for me, that trap is defining a set list and then, you know, sort of trying to tick them off. I've got this skill, I've got that skill, coaching somebody. There really isn't for me, you know, and one of the changes that um, I've worked with who've been really good, there isn't a set list of, uh, you know, sort of very specific skills. Um, I think that there's one thing that I would really highlight, which is that all of the people I've seen who have been good change leaders, and they've varied a lot in their style, but all of them had one thing in common, which is that they, they really understand themselves and they really understand the organization. And what I mean by that is they understand their persona and where they can go in terms of their leadership. So, you know, I think it's a little bit like, you know, ships that are anchored to the ocean floor. That's, you know, you're not, you can't move past your anchor point, but you can move at anchor. Probably massacred that metaphor, but um, it was sort of explained to me a long time ago, and I found it very useful um, in thinking about your own um, style and the knowing the organisation. You know, they're for me good change leaders are like anthropologists who've been studying the organisation for years and years and years, and they just get it and they know uh, why this, you know, sort of why odd resistance is happening or or why a change is you know right for this moment. So I would avoid a set list of skills, but, but just knowing yourself and knowing the organisation. Makes perfect sense. So I think relationship management skills are probably one of the key things. If you, you know, if I hear what the answers are coming back here, understanding the heartbeat of how the organization's culture is fits together really makes sense. All right, Samuel, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is yeah, this is a very good question. Um, I would say if I had to really peg it down to a particular skill, I would say adaptability. And the reason behind that is because a lot of leaders are very good at using their default style when it comes to leadership, management, anything around that. But in order for change to be successful, you have to consider what the change is. Uh, it's what type of change is really being rolled out. Is it? Is it? Your, are you responding to a crisis? Are you? Uh, are you dealing with a, a radical change of strategy? Are you dealing with a cultural change? And because of those different types of changes, they require different types of leadership. Different styles, and a good change leader is adaptable enough to flex their style around the change, and not vice versa. So, 
I would say if you really wanted to be an exceptional change leader, you would need to diversify your skills and become that adaptable to any type of change. Totally agree with you. I think agility and adaptability would be two that I'd put up right up there as key skills for a successful change manager. <laughs> You're quite right. Every change is different. Every change is unique. Cultural changes within an organization, especially change initiatives that are going to impact the way in which a company's culture you know, has evolved over the last years or number of years, those are usually the most difficult in my experience to push through. So having those key skills, very critical. Suchitra, may we have the next question, please? We have a live question from Diane. How can a change leader address changes other than that which is the expected change result? Interesting question. So how can a change leader address changes other than that which is the expected change result? Anybody got any thoughts on this? Chantel, go ahead. Um, so there will be um, residual changes that occur on initiatives, and that's something that I think we all should look out for and be able to manage them and communicate them effectively. And um, I think what's important here is um, being able to communicate what these changes are and um, what the results are, why they have occurred, and be able to do that effectively um, to the audience that um, you're communicating to. So um, I, I think having very clear communication about what has occurred um, would be important in this scenario. Yeah, absolutely agree with you there. Sam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is this is a very interesting question. I think it, it's, it would stump a lot of people. Um, as it it kind of goes down a route where you're looking at, okay, so you have a change which is defined and it's going to be rolled out as such and what influence does a change leader have on people's perception of that change so again you have to utilize more of your soft skills in this and it's going to be about how you've communicated that change how people have discovered that change and what's your method of actually getting their their feedback actually brought back into that as well so you can do a lot of things around the change itself in order to impact how it lands with people and uh, i think it's i think one of the best things that you can do is think about how you first roll out a change. If someone hears about something when they're, when they're not meant to, Chinese whispers or through an email or something like that, that's not going to be as useful to them as hearing it directly from, say, their change manager or their leader or they're just their manager in general. So I think if you want to impact the result, think about how you've rolled out that change to them. Yeah, totally agree with you, Sammy. I think that that makes perfect sense. And Chantal, both of your comments on that, are it's a difficult question to answer, but I think how you position changes up front, how that initial communication happens, makes all the difference, makes everybody's life a lot easier. And you generally face less resistance to change when that's done properly. But yeah, the Chinese whispers and emails seen when they shouldn't be seen don't help anybody, that's for sure. All right, Suchitra, may we have our next question? Just to cover this off for, for Micah, you missed part of the show and can't manage the end. It's definitely possible. You'll see the whole show on our YouTube channel. So please subscribe to the Level Up or APMG YouTube channel and you can watch every back episode of Level Up. So don't worry, you don't have to miss, miss a single minute of that. Suchitra, what's our next question, please? Our next question is from Melanie. What are the most common mistakes organizations make in leading change? 
Okay, wow. So I think with this one, we could probably, this panel and myself, we could probably spend the day talking about this one alone. I'm sure that books have been written on this sort of thing. But uh, who would like to have a crack at that? Would, I think everybody must come up with at least one or two common mistakes. So why don't we walk around the panel today? I think that for this one, we'll start with Louis, then we'll go to Laurie, then we'll go to Chantel, and then Sam. Yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll try and keep it short because, like you say, we could uh, <laughs> we could you know sort of uh, just list off uh, everything we've seen going wrong. Um, so I mean, you made a good point there about you know books uh, are being written about this and have been written about this, and actually. There's lots in change management, uh, which struggles to be evidence-based, um, but there is a growing body of research. Um, and, you know, I would sort of, without um, you know, sidetracking this, I, I would point people towards the Change Management Institute who uh, can, you know, do a really good job promoting some of that research. Um, the, the, the three that I would uh, highlight, um, so I, th I think one of the most common mistakes I think happens all the time, and this goes to leadership, uh, is not creating the conditions for change. So not actually making sure that you're the sort of base level of the organization is change ready before you embark on an initiative, before you have a bright idea, before an external factor uh, forces you to change. But just having an organization that is change ready, and this is like the, the soil in the garden, you know, you, you, you've got to take care of your soil before you go buy any expensive plants. And that, I think, is something which, because of our focus on initiatives, because of our focus on action, um, we tend to miss. Um, I think another one uh, would be sort of, not grasping that you know change ultimately needs a certain momentum and, and certainly where i work which tends to be um fairly high on governance um changes do do, do get slowed down by high levels of governance uh, and that's seen as a good thing because we're checking we're making sure it's the right change but actually there's a there's a speed below which if you drop below that speed it, you're actually below you know, sort of other things are changing there's a base rate of change that's happening if you can't go faster than that you don't have any uh, momentum and then the third thing which tends to come out of that, which I think is a very common mistake, is you get frustrated as a leader and you just resort to change by diktat. And, you know, OK, I've tried to be nice, guys. I'm the boss. Just flipping do it. Um, mm -hmm. It's a real temptation. I understand what happens. Uh, but I think we all know that it doesn't really work. No, no, it definitely doesn't work. <laughs> very good point. All, all three points are very good there. Laurie, what are your thoughts? Uh, I've got a couple. Both of them are sort of extensions of what uh, Louis has already said, actually. Firstly is um, making sure that you understand the organisation deeply and the, the system that you're implementing the change in. So not thinking linearly, but thinking of the overall ecosystem and some of the impacts that um, you may need to dig beneath the surface before you understand them fully uh, and implement them. And then the second one, which uh, kind of gets to, to Louis's last point there, is really um, Having, make sure you're resourced up with enough empathetic leaders, so leaders who are prepared to sit down and, and fully engage and listen and fully understand some of the challenges that different teams may be dealing with um, in order to best uh, chart a path forward. Interesting, very interesting. Chantel, your thoughts? So I just have one point to add. Um, I've found um, one of the most common mistakes um, organizations making leading change is um, not being able to communicate the change effectively to the right audience. Um, I found that change leaders um, sometimes focus a lot on organizational benefits. So the organization is going to be more efficient. Um, they're going to have more effective processes and um, they're going to 
be profitable and meat compliant, um, which is great, but it doesn't really speak to what's in it for the employees. And when the employees hear about the benefits of the change, you know, they think to themselves, well, I am getting nothing out of it. The company is benefiting. Um, so I, I think one of the things that organizations can do is bring, bring communication down to the employee level. What's in it for the employee? Um, are you going to be spending less time looking for documents? Um, are you going to um, spend less time in the basement, um, which is a health and safety hazard? Um, when you can communicate effectively um, the benefits to the employees, I think that's one of the key things that's missing when it comes to communicating change that can be done better. Yeah, totally agree with you there. I've seen many changes fail because of that. Everybody also needs to think about what's in it for me. Right? And if you don't provide the correct <laughs> input there, it can really go wrong very quickly. Sam, what are your thoughts? Um, I'll go with one as well. Uh, like you said, we could talk about this for pretty much the whole the whole panel. So uh, I think the one I would go for, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, is that we that organizations offer often underestimate change. And uh, when you underestimate change, you do a few things. One is that you don't clearly define out the impact of what's going to happen. And because you've undervalued that impact, you start to have heavy resistance all throughout the process, that be from the project team all the way down to the people who are actually receiving the change as well. So you're making your life much more difficult just with that. But then also you can't translate anything into how that change is actually going to be positive towards your business because you've underestimated it. So it's not even that you just underestimated, you've undervalued it as well. The, the point is with change is that if you really want people to get on board with it, you first of all must invest in it. And then also make sure that people understand what are the benefits for them. So yeah, yeah. don't underestimate any change that you have. No, I, I totally agree with you. I to totally agree with you. What I've seen that happen, I've seen that happen many, many times. People, a couple of things that I've seen go wrong here. One of them is a lack of education and lack of understanding of the change management process. That usually is goes wrong very quickly. People that are really enthusiastic and with all of the best intent in the world rush into a change without knowing the base understanding of what change management is all about. Right? And what ends up happening, it becomes a mess. <laughs> it becomes a really, really big mess very, very quickly. And the other one is, of course, that over-enthusiasm from upper management. Well, we've got this wonderful idea. Let's do this. Let's make a change and dive straight into that change without that proper communication. But just to mention quickly, this is anybody who's interested, the Change Manager's Handbook from Change Management Institute, definitely scan that QR code. It is a great resource for anybody who's involved in change or change management or wants to become a change leader. Get yourself a copy. It's also available in ebook format. So don't forget about that one. Yeah, that will help you enormously with this entire process of becoming a change leader. All right. Okay, Charlotte. What is our next question? Sorry, Suchitra, my apologies. What's our next question? We have a question from Phil. Is there any difference between change leadership and plain old leadership? Well, I think the short answer to that is yes, <laughs> there is. But the two are definitely interlinked, aren't they? Panel, what are your thoughts? Who would like to have a go at this one? Sam? Yeah. Uh... 
definitely should be a difference. <laughs> it's a it's a tricky it's again it's a tricky one to answer. I think um, I think I'll leverage back the uh, my answer that I gave before, which is in leadership is you can always go towards your default style and you can lead in the way that you feel um, that you've perfected over years and years of practice, and it's just innate to you. That's just the way that you respond and that's the way that you lead people. That in change leadership, you must be adaptable and you have to adapt to the change itself and you can't always leverage your style to get that change over the board and get people motivated and, and, and influenced by what, what the change is actually going to do for them. So, yeah, I think in terms of old, uh, old leadership, let's call it old leadership, in old leadership and change leadership, it's, uh, yeah, our ability to adapt to the change. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think there are quite a few different areas there that, you know, there are big differences in standard leadership over what I would call change leadership. Now, if you, if you think about it, what does a normal leader in an organization do? When somebody thinks of leader, they're generally thinking of what does a manager do? Yeah? That isn't necessarily true, though. A leader within an organization doesn't necessarily have to be a manager at all. And they don't also necessarily have to be involved in change. But let's assume you take it in context where the person is a normal leader or manager. Um, yeah, there's quite a few differences in things that they would be doing. I mean, there's a lot of HR element involved. There's a lot of general management involved. Whereas a change leader is focused on communication, making sure that that change is communicated effectively and implemented properly, and the business derives the appropriate benefits from that change. Without that, so there you can see already, there's quite a few differences between the two. All right. Suchitra, may we have our next question, please? We have a live question. Sorry, we have a live question from Lauren. Through the direct experience with the pandemic, how have your views on change management evolved? Great question. I think the pandemic has affected everybody on this. Um, Louis, let's start off with um, Laurie, and then we'll go to Louis and then Sam. Um, so, from my perspective, uh, obviously there were some challenges with the pandemic, but for me, um, one of the most inspiring and enlightening um, aspects of the pandemic was our ability to change. I was a little bit pessimistic about um, the ability of human beings to change and adapt on a broad scale. And when you think of some of the challenges that we're dealing with globally, climate change you know, being obviously the most significant example, I'm uh, nothing but inspired by a lot of the good things that I saw throughout the pandemic. So yes, there were constraints. Yes, there were some, some really um, challenging scenarios and a lot of people really suffered. But um, lifting it up a level to the, to the overall human race, I feel full of optimism and feel like that. In face of some very challenging situations, we actually can adapt, can change our ways of doing things, which when it you know, sort of flows down to projects and change initiatives only uh, gives us more momentum and more optimism to be able to achieve those sorts of changes. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. So, Louis, what are your thoughts on this? Well, so I think it's a really interesting question. Uh, so my simple answer would be that actually my views on change management haven't changed uh, as a result of the pandemic. Um, I think that the pandemic um, you know, is, is, is a really interesting moment in history if we zoom out a lot. But in terms of what I think about change management and what I think represents good change management, the pandemic has not uh, influenced that. It remains the same. Um, I entirely agree with Laura, which I think the the pandemic and the response to it is a really interesting mass experiment in change. Uh, I would inject back in a little bit of pessimism. Sorry, Laurie. Um, you know, so while I while I agree with your optimism, 
I think that one of the interesting things for me is it took a huge uh, crisis uh, to get uh, organizations to flip towards solutions that had been there for years. Uh, you know, remote working, which I think you know, uh, so many of us now enjoy and the, and the flexibility that it brings, that could have been done decades uh, earlier. Um, the technology was there, um, but we weren't using it. So there are some questions around our psychology in terms of why did it take that? Uh, and you can talk about survival anxiety versus learning anxiety. And suddenly, you know, uh, organizations had enough um, to uh, to justify it. Um, and I also think, you know, you know, sort of here in the UK, at least, you know, our vaccine rollout was seen as a big success and a really well-run project. And I know in the public sector, people are looking at it as a case study to try to learn from it. But again, I think, unfortunately, it does show that um, projects in crisis work because everybody gets the vision and they understand the urgency. Outside of crisis, it's harder. So there are some questions, I think, in terms of how do we get that sense of unity and maybe even that sense of crisis um, on some of the stuff which doesn't feel so urgent. Yeah, it's a good a couple of good points there. I mean, in forced changes, you know, when there really is no alternative, it's sink or swim. You know, sometimes it just works, right? Sometimes it does. It's not necessarily the best way to do it, but it definitely does work. <laughs> okay, I think um, Sam, I think you you also wanted to add something into this question. Yeah. Um, so through uh, through direct experience of the pandemic so i think my my views on change management did change slightly not as much as uh, as people might think because again huge change crisis just as just as Louis was saying but i think one of my views which i had was um it, it's to do with richardson communication theory which is the fact that the best way to communicate with each other is well, in person with each other in the same room and that's the way that we get the best dialogue the best conversation and, and and the best collaboration what i'm finding now is that because those times where i do meet people in an office setting is becoming rarer you actually value those times and people get a lot more out of them just because they're fewer and you actually put more effort into those limited interactions more than anything else whereas the theory really dictates that most of our interactions through this channel is is the best way to do things over, say, a video conference. So again, the thing is, is that from my experience of the pandemic is that the theories that we did have are, are, are concrete, but again, there's, uh, there has been a slight switch in terms of my own perception of them and utilizing them now that we are in this um, more hybrid and remote working. Factor, yeah. Feel. yeah. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think you're absolutely right. It, the whole, the whole way in which the pandemic affected us, there were people that it affected people very differently. Some people really looked at us as a positive. Some people looked at us as a negative. Right? And I think if you look at it from a perspective of, was this a change? Yes, it was, you know, quite clearly. Not something we asked for as a change, nevertheless, but it happened anyway, right? So I just wanted to ask the audience while we're here. So everybody who's watching on YouTube and LinkedIn, please put your thoughts in how did the pandemic affect you yeah, from a change management perspective? Did it make your life easier, harder? You know, what happened? Let us know in the chat, pop it into the chat, give us your answers to that one. So it looks like everybody's enjoying the show so far. We've got some folks watching from all around the world. Welcome, Adriana. Thanks for joining. So, Suchitra, may we have our next question, please? Your question from John. What is the best way to find sources of resistance to change within my team? Mm -hmm. 
A very interesting question. How do you find those sources of resistance? Sometimes they hide quite well, actually. But uh, So who's got some thoughts on how you would find your sources? Chantel, you've had quite a bit of experience with this. Then Laurie, and then we'll go down to Louis. All right, so to find sources of resistance, first of all, um, you could use just plain or observation. I think that's a skill that's often overlooked um, by change leaders, but just to observe what persons are doing, what they're saying, um, listening to you know, their comments can give a lot of information about um, if they're resisting the change and, and also following up with questions because their resistance may be justified. And it may be important to, um, you know, having a tactic implemented to, to help with that, um, you know, that resistance. So I, I think observation, um, listening and um, getting feedback um, are some great ways that you can find resistance within your team and actually get to the root of the problem and deal with the situation. Yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense. You know, I, th I think that all too often when we're doing these change initiatives, it's things that are going to affect people on the floor who are actually doing the job. They need to be listened to sometimes a little bit more, right? Quite often, they are the ones with the expertise. Now, we may come up at the, as leaders with a great idea, you know, or the, the, the exec board or exco has come up with something that they think is wonderful for the company, but it can have absolutely horrific ramifications for the people that are trying to do the job make their job 10 times harder, cost them, you know, a lot more of their personal safety or freedom or safety or anything. Could be. So definitely, you know, and, and I think, Louis, that you probably have some experiences like that too from the law enforcement aspect, don't you, that have come up with this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, a lot of change in law enforcement um, is external. So, you know, there's a, there is a new law and therefore law enforcement uh, has to adjust both in terms of a law that they're enforcing and a law which applies to them, you know, uh, and increasingly now, I think um, we're seeing laws that um, are looking to uh, monitor what the police do with data more closely because so much more data is out there and easily accessible and there are, there are civil liberties concerns, but there are also opportunities um, to reduce crime. So there is a lot of that um, and there is always a danger in what you might call a disciplined force organization. So um, military organizations, police forces, and there are plenty of others that um, fit that model. There's a danger that because you have a rank structure and because you can give commands and expect them to be followed, that that becomes your way of doing change. Um, now, if you really need to change fast and the risk justifies it and you're looking for a short-term result, that's not a bad way to go. Um, but I think for us as practitioners, and when we talk about change, we're thinking of things that are longer term, um, that are laying down deeper roots. Um, and they need more dialogue, as everybody has said today. They need more. Um, they need more listening. And actually, to bring it back to the question, um, I think you know, uh, listening, as as um, Chantel was saying, really, you know, it, the simple answer is really, really listen to your team. Really listen to them. Um, there are issues with that, though. I think because if it's your team, they're going to be showing you. Uh, a certain side of themselves. We all want to impress our boss. Um, we're all a bit more careful around our boss than we would be uh, around our colleagues. Um, and also the boss uh, will only be in certain interactions. So I, I, I think there are a couple of good ways you could do this um, in terms of finding sources of resistance. And by the way, um, John in Dublin, I'm, I'm curious about why you want to find them. Uh, I'm sort of wondering, is this find the sources and then neutralize them? Uh, <laughs> or, or is it to assume that this is uh, ethical? Um, so I think um, listening is great. I think um, 
offering an anonymous option uh, just works, really works. So there are lots of ways that people can anonymously tell you what's going on um, online. We all know about them. I did a piece of work in um, the House of Commons where we use graffiti boards and we put up great big bits of paper on the walls in corridors and canteens. Uh, and we put a question on them and we left a pen there. Um, the big learning for me was you have to go every day and check the pen hasn't been taken. As soon as someone takes the pen, it stops. Um, people have very low sort of uh, level of effort involved. They can't be bothered to get their own pen out. You have to make sure there's a pen there. Um, but we left them up for about five weeks and it really did build up into a very nice collage of thoughts. And I think people enjoyed the interaction, physical, the tactile nature of using uh, a board pen and writing on paper. Um, and they enjoyed the ability to respond to comments and draw pictures. And again, check that the pictures are all appropriate. Um, so uh, graffiti boards would be a good way to do this. Um, anonymous options. Um, any sort of safe space for dialogue and listening, um, I think, is, is, is going to get you to find the resistance, but it might take longer than you think to be the one uh, supervisor I would, I would give to John. Just don't think that you're going to crack it in one workshop. Great thoughts. Great thoughts, definitely. I love the, I love the whiteboarding idea, you know, giving people a graffiti space, safe space to talk about this and putting. And I also totally agree with you. You have to go and check that regularly. Make sure that the pen is there or at least screwed down onto a chain so it can't be removed. Um, and also that everything is actually being appropriately put there and adjust accordingly. But uh, I think that way you can definitely start to draw out those resistors, if you want to put it that way, to change. And I liked your comment as well. Why, why would you be looking for the resistance to change? Why would you be looking for those individuals within the team that are doing it? I, I think probably because in many changes, you can have that resistance influencer. And that's the one person that's continually trying to undermine the change and influence the other members of the team to do the same because of their specific set of views or you know the way that they've been handled, should we say, up until this point within the change. So finding them can be quite important, not necessarily because you want to take them out of the change loop or anything, or even worse, <laughs> let's hope not, but probably to try to understand what their concerns might be and perhaps you know move them towards coming along with the change rather than anything else. So, Laurie, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I, you know, I just agree with uh, absolutely everything that has been said. I guess the only thing that I would add is, um, yeah, proactively create safety where people feel welcomed and supported and um, feel completely positive about sharing those uh, resistances that they may hold. Otherwise, those resistances will still exist, except they'll be implicit rather than explicit. When they're explicit, you can do something about it and deal with it. Yeah, very, very good point there. I think, Sam, you wanted to, to jump in with something at the end here on this question? Yeah, yeah. Uh, something you were saying just kind of uh, reminded me of something about what, what we commonly do with resistance, as in often we look at uh, any type of negative reaction to a change as resistance, and we have to be quite careful when we're considering what is resistance and what is just a natural reaction to change. So um, I believe it was Roger's theory where he talks about there's a certain percentage of your team or your organization or your group who is going to be considered a, a laggard or a late majority to uh, adopting to any change, regardless if it's positive, negative, or, or whatever it is. It, it doesn't really matter. So again, just be very aware that if you have a reaction to change, it's not always resistance. It is considered as normal reaction and allow people to go through that process. Maybe you don't even need to dig deeper down. Maybe it just takes a little bit more time. That's all. So, Very good point. Very, very good point indeed. 
Yeah, resistance is not necessarily is the same as a reaction to change. So, very good point. Okay, Suchitra, may we have our next question, please? We have another live question from Lauren. Based on the fact that we are all human and make mistakes, what was your first mistake when you started out as a change manager? <laughs> Again, I think there could be a couple of books written on this one, <laughs> but very interesting. Who'd like to go first? Okay, Laurie, and then Sam. Then so so, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good example because I, I was a complete failure in, in change when I, when I first started. So coming from a technical background, I, uh, uh, being an engineer, my, originally my focus was sort of on, on being correct and being right, and I was very good at that, but very soon learned that um, other people don't think like me, so getting better at um, realising that everyone has a different way of thinking and communicating and getting better at translating my message into a language that can be received by other people. So I learnt, uh, yeah, so I spent a lot of time early in projects, particularly on um, projects that were starting to delve into transformation, that it was um, not about being right at all. It was about um, empathising, understanding understanding the people and the organisation around them and how to communicate effectively in a way that made sense to them. Perfect. Wonderful. Sam, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, we all are human. We make mistakes, uh, especially for me. I think it was very early on um, when I started uh, as a change manager. I think one of the biggest mistakes I made was underestimating the impact of a change was going to have. And that's always stuck with me. So it was changing something I thought when I looked at it as in uh, just just expanding a certain role within the business, um, the scope of the role just slightly. And I thought, okay, this is a, quite a minor impact, but I didn't consider that it's a minor impact to me, but it is not a minor impact to them. And then when it came to rolling out the change, there was heavy, heavy, heavy resistance. And sometimes that's unavoidable, especially if the change has to be taken into effect. But again, considering the level of resistance that I got, it actually elongated the amount of time that we had to put the implementation plan through. So again, one of the one of the mistakes I never make anymore, or I try not to, is to is to underestimate uh, a change and fully scope it out beforehand and fully understand what's the impact to each of the people that are going to be involved in receiving that change. Um, that's steered me quite uh, quite safe now. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's exactly the same mistake I made. It's just completely underestimating the impact. You know, it would be you attend, one tends to think of yourself if you're part of that working organisation. You know, what is the impact to you? Um, not necessarily always taking into account from top to bottom what that impact might be. So, very good advice there, definitely. Okay, Louis, you had some thoughts on this. Yeah, so I have a memory which still makes me cringe. Um, when I was uh, at the beginning of my uh, career as a change manager and I, and I just qualified, I'd done the APMG foundation and practitioner, which by the way, I would thoroughly recommend. It wasn't, it wasn't the fault of the training I received. Um, and I bought myself a new suit and I thought that I looked great and I won't name the organization that I was working in, but I was there on a fixed term contract. But if people want to look at my LinkedIn, they can probably figure it out. And I thought that I was there to deliver the change. I thought I was there to make it happen. And I was um you know sort of taking all these opportunities to go and address the staff about the change and try and answer all their questions and um convince them i was trying to sort of use verbal skills to just convince hundreds of people to do this change and actually you're not the hero of the story if you're there as a change manager 
Uh, and actually, it comes to what we're talking to you today about leadership. I was stepping into the leadership space, which was not mine to step into. Um, and those briefings and those meetings should have been led by uh, leadership within the organization. And I should have been encouraging that to happen, coaching them and organizing uh, and setting the scene for them. And instead, I got sort of drawn into it. Um, I very quickly got my fingers burnt. Um, and it was a lesson I learned the hard way. Okay. Thanks for sharing that with us. And I think you're not you're not alone there, Louis, for sure. Many, many people have taken that same path initially and uh, had the same problem. All right, I think we've got time for one or two more last questions. So if we're fairly brief with our answers. Suchitra, what is our next question? We have a live question from Tariq. And how to sustain it? Sorry, Suchitra, we just um, had you off screen for a sec. Could you read the, the question out again, please? Sure. How do you plan the change within the organization and how to sustain it? Okay, interesting question. So first, first off, is it the change leader's role to fully plan the change? I think that would be an interesting side angle to this. So who's got some thoughts on this? Chantel, go ahead. Um, in my opinion, um, I think it's a change manager's role um, to plan the change. The change manager has the skills and the tools and the training and the tactics and the templates um, in order to, you know, find out um, the impacts of the change or the stakeholders. They would probably have a, a resistance log and, you know, a huge scoping document about what the change is supposed to be and the benefits, etc. So I would say um, the change manager would be planning the change um, using um, the, the templates and tools and tactics, as I mentioned before. And in terms of how do you sustain it, um, there's a quote that I most often repeat, um, change takes a village. And I think that's a theme that came out um, in the last question. It's, it's not the change manager who will you know, be instrumental alone for sustaining the change. It's, you know, the change team, it's the change agents, it's the change leader. Um, so sustaining the change does take um, a number of individuals um, in order to help the change be adopted and sustained into business as usual. Makes perfect sense. Thanks, Chantel. Laurie, what are your thoughts briefly? Uh, yes, yes, so I, I agree. It's really, so in terms of how do you plan the change, it's really about setting that vision and having that process for engagement during the transition period. And of course, planning how to sustain it. So any anything we do, any project or change initiative, we start with the end in mind and that, that vision for how it's going to operate and sustain itself. So that really is a core part of that planning process. So it should should have the right people, you know, the village, and of course, those feedback loops so that we're making sure that people aren't slipping in back into old habits. The original vision isn't lost and that the benefits are being realized. Fantastic. Okay, I think we've got time to slip in one last question. So, Suchitra, what is our final question? We have a question from Paul. Where do I start in becoming a change leader? Is it experience or training and certification? Okay. Very interesting question, and I think goes to the heart of what we're talking about here today. Laurie, kick us off, and then we'll come to Louis, and then Chantel and uh, Sam. I think everybody's going to have something very briefly. Okay, so don't do it the way I did it. 
So I, I've I learned by failure over over decades and have learned iteratively. So I came from a technical sort of project background, but fortunately um, got a lot of opportunities to to get involved in culture change initiatives and things like that. But I really had a couple of good mentors. I would recommend tapping into mentors, but where possible, if you are able to do structured formal training, um, I, I highly uh, recommend that. Okay. Dewey, your thoughts? Yeah, so um, why not start here? Why not start now, I would say? Um, you know, I wouldn't wait for a course and I wouldn't wait um, for uh, a job or a new role to begin that process. It, it is entirely um, within your gift to start becoming a change leader. So make that conscious decision to start now um, and start reflecting on all the things that this panel has spoken about this morning. Start reflecting on yourself and who you are what your persona is, what leadership style you want to have, and what leadership style you can have. Start to reflect on where you're working and how change operates in that environment. Um, and that will get you there and keep going. I mean, I think, you know, uh, taking learning opportunities and CPD opportunities like this morning are great. Training, um, you know, we've talked about the Change Management Handbook uh, and the certification. There is a lot in there about leadership that I think is really, really valuable. Um, I think the most important training is the training that you will give yourself. Uh, and you need to build in opportunities uh, in the hurly-burly of the day-to-day to reflect on what you've learned and try and embed it. Um, so start now. Excellent. <laughs> Chantelle, your thoughts? I agree with the comments um, previously mentioned. Um, training and certification does help. Um, it allows you to um, understand what the role of the change leader is. And then I think applying it to yourself is really important and figuring out what are the gaps um, what are some of the things that you need to work on do you need to work on your communication skills you need to work on your listening skills Um, so I I think training and certification can go a long way but um, understanding yourself as was previously mentioned and being able to apply um, what the change leader is in terms of a role to who you are and um, you know, what your strengths and weaknesses are is a good place to start. Great advice. Sam, what are your final thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, to become a change leader, you can be a change leader at any point. There's, there's, no, there's no set instruction or set role for a change leader. There, there is for a change manager. If you want to become a change manager, I, I agree with the rest of the panel. They're taking all the right steps. But if you want to be a change leader, you just need to be the advocate, be the one who's influencing and making sure that changes get over get over to to the people, to to different people. That's it. So yeah, I think if if you're very interested in becoming a change manager, then yes, training certifications they do help. Uh, but uh, but if you want to be a change leader, yeah, just like Louis said, just just start right now. Fantastic advice. Fantastic advice, everybody. So first of all, I'd just like to thank all of our panelists for their fantastic answers to some great questions, as well as all of the folks out there who put all of your live questions in. Really great job. Fantastic. So just remember, if you put a live question in, your name will appear in the credits. So don't, don't disappear until you've seen that happening. Yeah. So I'd, what I'd like to do is to just walk around the panel briefly in, in order, just to get your final closing comments before we close off. So Laurie, I'm going to start with you. What are your final comments? Oh, I just uh, firstly thank you to all the panelists. I learned so much from this session. I guess the last thing I would add, in my opinion, 
The world has never needed uh, change leaders like it does now and in the future. So if you are interested and curious, uh, I do encourage you to pursue it. Um, it's something that you want to do. You need to come from a place of authenticity. So if it feels right for you, if you enjoy dealing with people, helping people, supporting people to achieve great things, then I definitely uh, encourage you to consider a career in change leadership. Fantastic. Excellent. Chantel, your final thoughts, please. Um, excellent show today. I think there were some really good comments um, from the panelists and questions from the viewers. Um, this is a really important topic. And, you know, as Laurie mentioned, um, change leadership is extremely important. And um, that's what we need uh, more of in organizations in order to drive change forward. Um, so, you know, really take a deep look at yourself and understand your strengths and weaknesses. And if you you know, possess the skills and the drive to be a change leader, um, I would say go for it and um, just keep improving with every initiative that you encounter. Fantastic. Thanks, Chantel. Louis, what are your final thoughts? So, I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed this morning and, uh, you know, I think being able to listen to the other panellists uh, respond and think on their feet, um, being really inspirational. Um, so, you know, thank you all um, uh, for sort of you know, uh, letting me be part of it. It's, it's, it's been great. In terms of the topic that we've talked about, uh, you know, I think it's interesting uh, where we've um, gone away from the topic a little bit in order to come back to it. So I think if you want to talk about change leadership, you do need to talk a little bit about change management as a discipline. You do need to talk about uh, leadership in the general sense. And so, uh, so I think it's a topic that gives a lot, and I'm sure it's one that we could um, come back to. I've been struck just by uh, the amount of time that we've spent talking about the importance of listening, the importance of dialogue. Um, and uh, I'm really hopeful, uh, actually, that, that we had consensus on that, because it suggests to me that if we do get change leaders who are like that, we will get better change. And that has to be something that we're all after. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. Thanks, Louis. Samuel, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, uh, same as everyone. What a great panel and great questions, live questions as well that uh, made us all think on our feet quickly. So it's well done to everyone. I think uh, I'll end with the, the old classic cliche about change. Change is the only constant. And I think that if we think about change leadership, we can either lead it well or we can lead it terribly. But change is always going to be a constant. So if we really value people and we really value what's going on, let's all become better change leaders. What would be a better place? The world will be a far, far better place. Totally agree with you. Suchitra, what are your final thoughts? Thank you to the panelists, and I've enjoyed listening to all your views. And thank you to our live viewers. We got some really interesting questions as well. And like Louis mentioned, we'll start a change initiative. Just start it now. Now's the right time. So thank you once again. Well, well done, everybody. Thanks, Suchitra. It's a fantastic show. I really enjoyed it as well. So over on our website, you can go and look for answers to up to 1,400. Well, there's over 1,400 live questions have been answered now. It's a fantastic, comprehensive, free resource. Yeah? So connecting you with 140 experts or over 140 from around the world. Don't forget, you can also listen to the audio versions yeah, of the shows on your preferred podcast platform. Just go onto them and search for it, and you'll find us there. So Friday the 7th of October is a really exciting day this coming week. We have a very special episode, Level Up Turns at 100. Yes, that is 100 episodes. So we'll be looking into how we reach this amazing milestone. 
On the 10th of October and Monday, we're looking at how to become a business relationship specialist. Subscribe to the show and we'll send you a personal summary of what's coming up and what you can enjoy, how you can join us here on leveling up your career with APMG. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you on the next show.